Senoras y senores, welcome on back to another episode of El Parcero Felicón, where we interview people who are really smart at sports, way more smarter than I am at sports, and today is going to be episode 11 of El Parcero Felicón. Before we dive into this episode, ladies and gentlemen, please, roll, if, if you wouldn't mind, make sure you guys hit that like button if you're watching this on YouTube. We are on El Parcero Felicón's YouTube channel as well as on DSM Media, so make sure you guys hit the like button and subscribe. And as well, you can find us wherever you stream podcasts. Just look for it on Oin Philly Sports. We will have that up on there as well. But without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you today our guest for today's episode, episode 11. Please welcome my DSM brother, Mr. Phil Stifle. Phil, what's happening, man? We got what's... a beard in full effect, too. I love it. Yeah, I, well, unfortunately, I think it shaved off today. Because, you know, <laughs> we, we, I was running that little, you know, joke that we had 500 subscribers by today. I'd shave the beard off. We didn't get there. So the beard is in full effect still. We're going to we're gonna become a grizzly bear, man. I love it. I absolutely love it. Good stuff there. Um, Phil, before we start this off, we get to talk about some sports. As we always start on El Parcero Filicón, uh, we always start off with who the hell is Phil Seifel? I want the people to know who you are if they don't know you yet and a little bit of what you do, especially with DSM Media, man. Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. I, that That's obvious. Absolutely. I appreciate the invite. But you said you you wanted somebody on that was smarter than than you about sports. I think you got the wrong guy because I'm definitely not that smart. Come on now. But let, <laughs> let's be honest. But, yeah, everybody knows me. I'm a Philly, born and bred. I'm a five-for-fiver now, thanks to hey. you. Not a four-for-four. Four. I'm a five-for-five. Five. Grew up in Delco. Live in hey. Chester County now. So I am as pure Philly bred as there is. Um, I love my Phillies. I love my Sixers, my Eagles, all of it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Bearded Knowledge. Right now, I'm hosting Trending in the AM, the only morning show podcast there is five days a week with my boy Jeremy at DSM Media. I'm, I'm, I just I just like to be known as the guy that will engage every single person and engage your opinions. You're not going to get shut up, your opinion's stupid, whatever. You know, I, I just want to engage everybody. And I truly believe in the power of positivity, my friend. So that, that that's what you get with me. Amen. That that's all we can ask for, man. Especially, you know, as Philly sports fans, there are more dark than than light times in in our lives as Philly mm-hmm. sports fans, and it's important to have that positivity. And everyone, like everyone, always asks me, like, how do you put up with it? Like, at loss after loss, heartbreak after heartbreak. Listen, you, like Jalen Hurts says, you give yourself that twenty four hour rule. After that, you move on. You know, the Union just lost Eastern Conference Finals. We move on. We got Flyers and Sixers right now, and the Eagles have a playoff push, which will. We'll get to all in, in a second. I, I really believe in, you know, I, I traveled the world for work before my, my previous job. I've met people all over the world. And, uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, you're from Philly. And, oh, you, you booed Santa Claus. You threw batteries at J.D. Drew. I'm like, no, no. So my goal in life is to change the perspective of what Amen. real Philly fans are. Because that's that, that negativity, that's a select few. There's a lot more positive, great things going on in Philly sports than those two negative drunk fans at the vet you know 40 years ago amen brother i i completely agree with you but uh let's get to it phil let's let's get to some of these uh philly sports teams that we have going on here as always in philadelphia let's start off with the birds um coming off of a bye week it's it's weird like i don't think in my at least in my lifetime of being an eagles fan i don't remember having a bye week this late into the year so it definitely felt a little strange a little bit different something that i wasn't used to uh, but this Eagles team heading into the final stretch of the season are six and seven with an opportunity here to make the playoffs. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity to make the playoffs. Um, but we're going into the a game against the football team. 
as the past couple of years, it's been hit or miss both, both with both sides. I wanted to start off with with your thoughts, man. How do you feel going into this game going against the football team? I, the the buy couldn't have come at a better time. You know, I, right. like you, I I don't you know remember a time when the buy was this late. And you know, I hate the super early week three or four buy. I hate this end of the season buy. But it happened at perfect time between you know Jalen Hurts' injury and everything else is going on. You know, Kelsey too. You know, perfect, perfect timing uh, for this team. Uh, but I, I feel positive, and that's not just because I feel the po- power of positivity. I, I, I do feel positive. Washington this past week, Terry McLaurin and Tyler Haneke both injured in the game. Um, so, you know, their starting quarterback, their number one scary wide receiver, you know, most likely will not play this week. Um, so I'm super excited and positive going into the game. I just think the Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, they need to stick with what's been working. Six straight games, 175 yards plus rushing. If they keep a very simple game plan, don't worry about Minshew Mania or anything else. You know, the right game plan will set them up for success. And th- this this is a game that they should w- win. Absolutely. I, I Listen, I 100% agree with you. I think this whole stretch uh, is a bunch of games that the Eagles can absolutely win here. Uh, it's, it's interesting because when I watch the football team, I don't see a lot of talent. Like, I obviously, individual talented players. You mentioned Terry. You know, Ch- losing Chase Young is big for them as well. But I really like I give so much credit to Ron Rivera. Like I do believe that they fought into this point because of, of Ron Rivera. And I think the reason why Carolina was so good, uh, they did build that really nicely with the players at, but Ron Rivera is really the one narrative that I take away. And they just keep fighting hard for him, Phil. I mean, I, I won't lie. Last year when the Washington football team signed Ron Rivera as their head coach, the Cowboys signed McCarthy, the Giants, Joe Judge, and the Eagles still had Doug Peterson. I said it flat out that Ron Rivera was the best coach even last year in the NFC East. I love Riverboat Ron. I think he's a great coach. He's a great motivator. He knows and has been around the block plenty in the NFL to know. You know, even here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he got his start. You know, he he's part of the Andy Road Andy Reid coaching tree there for sure. (laughs) So I I love Ron Rivera Um, and the fact that he's been able to keep this team with Tyler Henneke, Alex Smith. You know, last year all these. Mediocre at best quarterbacks, and he's got these teams constantly fighting and constantly playing well. It helps to have a great wide receiver in Scary Terry. You know, they have a great running back in Antonio Gibson. You know, yeah. their defense, you know, their defense, even without Chase Young, their defense is still a pretty stout defense. Uh, so there's still talent. And while I'm going into the game positive feeling, you know, they the Eagles still have to play their game. The Eagles still have to do things perfectly because – Washington six and seven, just like us, they're fighting for that that last playoff spot, just like us. So you know, it, it's not a pushover win like right. it should be. I, I I completely agree with you. Dwayne Haskins is watching tape from the strip club. <laughs> isn't he? Isn't he on like Pittsburgh's practice squad? I'm not even sure if he's still I, on a on a roster right now. Yeah, and he hasn't even had an opportunity because uh, remember Ben went down for a little bit yeah. with Pittsburgh, and they had uh, Mason Rudolph in Absolutely. there. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting yeah. what's going on with Dude, Dwayne, but yeah, he's he's a bad quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I should say he's just a, he's just a straight up back. Or Ohio State doesn't usually have many of those uh, yeah, those no, things. So, um, but yeah, so you mentioned it the the quarterback position. Obviously, you know after the Jets game, you know how Eagles fans are. We, we yeah. love we love the controversy. We love the, the we love the division. Absolutely. But there are a lot of fans out there that want to see more of Minshew. There are fans out there that want to keep riding with Jalen Hurts. I'm um, just curious, you know, where you kind of stand on it and, and uh, what you think going just on this season. What should we do here? OK, so I got, I got a lot to say on this and I've talked about it on multiple shows of mine, you know, in the past week or so. 
first and foremost, you know, before we even talk about the quarterbacks, I absolutely love how Nick Sirianni after the Jets game has one of the first questions asked, will Jalen Hurts be your starting quarterback if healthy this week after the bye? And Nick Sirianni said, without a hesitation, without a doubt, Jalen Hurts is my guy. He is the starting quarterback of this team. And, and first and foremost, that there speaks volume of what kind of a head coach that Nick Sirianni is. You know, he, he said the right thing. He, he put the rumors to rest, whatever. Um, I do this thing on my, on my shows on Monday called Overreaction Monday, where I, I say these really weird, bold, hot take statements. And nobody understands. It's just overreaction. It's, it's just to have fun and stuff like that. But I said it, and there's, it, it started quite the debate. The Eagles front office, the Eagles coaching staff has sold the players and the fan base that this is a playoff team, not the retooling, rebuilding that a lot of us understood that this season should be. So I said after the Jets game, immediately after the Jets game, I said that Jalen Hurts starting is the right decision for the big picture of this team. We need to see what Jalen Hurts is. But Gardner Minshew may give us a better chance looking at the schedule of making the playoffs this year. So I personally would start Jalen Hurts because I had no expectations coming into this year to begin with. But Gardner Minshew may actually provide us this year as a better better option for the rest of the season. I completely see where you're coming with with that. And, and it was a hot take and overreaction. You know, <laughs> you know, let, let's let's just say that. But it brings up an interesting debate. No, no. What puts you in a better spot to win this week against Washington, next week against the Giants? You know, Jalen Hurts has his flaws. And if Nick Sirianni sticks to the run game, if Miles Sanders is healthy, et cetera, you know, we should still be able to win no matter what. But if Miles Sanders is out, Jordan Howard is still out, you know, Washington's a good team. So Gardner Minshew has his flaws as well. He's not as great of a passer as his numbers against the Jets say he was. He was short. He was behind on some throws. His arm strength is not much better than Jalen Hurts is. You know, they're they're definitely flaws. There's a reason he was one in seven last year with the Jags, you know, but, you know, Going forward, for the next three or four games, he might be the better option. I, I listen. I, I so I was there with Scotty at, at MetLife when we were watching the game together. If people do not know, Scotty is also part of DSM Media as well. But watching it, like obviously, I saw like he was wheeling and dealing. I mean, he was all, like he had a, the stats were great; they were fantastic. Absolutely. But I do have to put in the stock that it, it was the New York Jets. I don't think the Absolutely. New York Jets are that much of a good team. Um, and I think that what I what I said is that on Sunday, Gardner he did his job. Like he Absolutely. he he pr- prepared like he was a starter as he's supposed to, and he mm-hmm. came out and he played his his butt off. His dad was in the stands. Like you knew you saw that Gardner really wanted this game. But going forward, like I 100% agree with you. Like I know what Gardner Minshew is. I've Absolutely. seen it for two past past two seasons with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't really know exactly what I have in Jalen Hurts, and no. with Jalen, it is a, is a little frustrating because I think he's got everything to be a franchise quarterback. The one thing that derails him is kind of the whole point of the position. It's the arm. It's yeah. the reading of the field, and that's what I need. That, to and see and more. That, that's the key right there. The reading of the field, going through his progressions. He has arm strength, in my opinion. Right. His problem is translating what he's seen on the field. And when you when you read the second read or the third read and you're late on the pass because it took you two seconds instead of one second to process what you have to do, it, it gives you the perception that the arm strength's not there because the defender has time to break on the ball or break on the route. So Jalen Hurts needs to learn the eyes need to work quicker with the brain. And then you'll yes. see that his arm strength isn't that bad. Let's get let's go back to Gardner Minshew. Both Dallas Goddard touchdown passes 
were not perfectly thrown balls. He was short on both of those plays. The yes, bad sir. Jets defense is what gave those touchdowns away. Dallas Goddard had to stop in his route on both of those to catch that ball to come back to it. So let, let, let's not talk about arm strength if you're not going to also criticize that, you know, Gardner yeah. Minshew has the same issue as Jalen Hurts does. And, and another thing, too, Phil, we're not mentioning, and a lot of people think this as a negative, Jalen's running skills is pretty damn elite. Absolutely. And that's something that can definitely help us going now, forward. Now, I think that like there's a couple games where he's had 15, 18 rushing attempts. You can't wing big picture long term with your quarterback running 18 times. You're just going to take way too many hits in a you know Lamar a daily season. you know daily bait. You know, obviously that's why he's hurt. You could tell in the last game before he you know went out, he was limping around there. He, he takes some pretty big vicious hits. He's yeah, I mean, learn I... a little. He's got a little learn learn the Russell Wilson you know way of protecting his body, and, and, and you know that'll help, but. Yeah, Jalen Hurts is an elite runner above and beyond. He's, he's probably one of the top two or three running quarterbacks in the league at this point. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. It's, it, sh- it should be interesting. It should be fun. But listen, if Jalen gets this team into the playoffs, he's going to have an opportunity again in 2022 to continue showing that he is and he the quarterback. Should. Yes. And, and here's my point too, Phil. Listen, for me, there's nothing wrong with building the rest of this roster and allowing Absolutely. Jalen Hurts to be the placeholder until we find that next guy. And I'm okay with that as well. See, see, I, I, I've brought up multiple points on this. You, how can you even judge Jalen Hurts? First off, we had a rookie head coach struggling at first, play calling, never called plays before. You couldn't get a read there. And also, you, you look at it outside of Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, he has no weapons. Right. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Jalen Rager wouldn't be playing on any other football team right now. You know, Quez Watkins, we may have yep. jumped the gun because of a couple flashy preseason plays and training camp plays on Quez Watkins. Who else? Greg Ward? I mean, come on now. Ortega Whiteside's got two catches on the year. He literally has no weapons. So you can't even truly judge Jalen Hurts. You, I've said it before. I know everyone wants him to sign a wide receiver in free agency. Don't be surprised if we use one of those three first-round draft picks on another wide receiver. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This I know. It's, it's, that, that's based off of Howie Roseman's track record. He drafts wide receivers early, defense late. So I know we want defense, and he will draft defense in the first round. But don't be surprised if one of those three picks is used on a wide receiver. If I'm not mistaken, I think that is the exact definition of insanity. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about it, especially with the free agent class and wide receivers. You know, there's some elite talent that's available. But, yeah, I mean, that that's just Howie Roseman's M.O. I follow trends, you know, and, and that's a trend. <laughs> Absolutely. 100 um, percent. All right. So let's let's switch over to the to the hardwood here. Uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, who. Um, at the moment right now, probably the best chance of a, a championship for us. But depending how you look at it, it's been a roller coaster ride that at least the past couple past two weeks, you know, we were on a three game winning streak on a tough four game road trip. You come back, you get you lose to Utah. Then you have this fantastic, beautiful night, Saturday night, primetime TV, Steph Curry in the building, Matisse Thibault with a defensive clinic. You get the big dub. And then last night. Now, granted, no Seth, no Joel. Right before tip off, you get obliterate. Well, it's a ba- it was a bad blowout loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so, Phil, for me, what I've seen with this team, um, obviously, I've seen a lot of good. Uh, I mean, they have a winning record right now, barely two games over five hundred. But right now, my main concerns have been the inconsistency on both defense, especially the perimeter defense, and well, we could take the Golden State game out of that, but. The rebounding surprisingly has been down as well. And it's so weird when you have Joel Embiid and Andre Drummond as your centers. And then also the shooting has been a little bit inconsistent. 
Um, last night, you know, you didn't have Seth Curry, which is a big blow. And Joel Bede also helps with that. But 18% from the three-point line, that is not going to get it done. And all those turnovers were bad last night. But from you, are you worried about this team? And what are you seeing from the Sixers? It's, it's something that me and Scotty have disagreed with multiple times. I'm worried because at this point, Joel Embiid basically needs to play hero ball every single night. And he's got to play top-notch, 100%. He can't have an off night or even miss a game at this point for the for the Sixers to even stand a chance. And we saw it last night. And, and you know, it comes down to the shooting. You say 18% last night. But I don't remember a season in the last two or three years with so many games that the Sixers are shooting 18%, 20%, whether last night was, what, 4 of 20 or 4 or whatever, you know, 6 of 30 some nights. It just seems like a recurring theme. Now, there's a lot that goes into it. You know, Joel, Tobias, a lot of guys miss time because of COVID. And it does take a while and a toll on your body to, to come back. But I'm worried because Tobias Harris, I'm a huge Tobias Harris fan. But I cannot believe the loss of Ben Simmons has affected Tobias Harris's game so Good much. Point. Where now that, now that he's, you know, the focal point of the offense, I talked this morning with Jason on training in the AM that Seth Curry is more important to the offense at this point than Tobias Harris is. And Tobias Harris is a max player. Seth Curry's making eight and a half million dollars a year, and that's it. And so Seth Curry missing him last night is a bigger loss than if Tobias Harris missed another game because of injury or whatnot. So, you know, I'm extremely concerned. I don't want the Ben Simmons, you know, saga to drag on too much longer because this team needs reinforcements. It really does. And yes, I want that big star back, but this can't drag on past the trade deadline into next offseason because you're wasting another season of Joel's prime. That that's a really good point. Now, Tobias has really been concerning to me as well. I think that's been my main concern um, because you would figure that he would take full advantage. Even like last, like last night's a perfect example, right? Like you have no Joel, you have no Seth. Like that's like that's he like took, he only took twelve shots last. Night. Yeah, five and I mean, twelve. Like, I know he got pulled probably earlier because of the blowout and stuff like that. I oh, dude, that guy should have had twelve shots in the first half at a minimum. I will say he struggled against now Jaron Jackson. That that kid's an absolute monster, but he struggled a little bit against that Jaron Jackson. I missed but. that. I won't lie. I missed when he first came in the league. I'm like, yeah, this guy's not going to develop. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like his game, but man, you're right. He, he's he's a monster. Well, they killed Memphis because they gave him a contract right before the year after that right. meniscus tear last season, and he's really you know he's earned every penny of that right. contract so far. But I, I, I'm a little bit concerned. Only be, we didn't even mention Tyrese Maxey. I've noticed him struggling trying to fit in with the starting lineup now that everyone's back. But you saw last night, you know, no Joel, no Seth. He had the ball in his hands and he was creating on his own. And it just seems like he just needs the ball in his hands. And I've made the case that I would like to see Tyrese coming off the bench because on the second unit, that would be that would be pretty nice to have. You're you're 110 percent right. I agree with you on that one. You know, no doubt. I mean. He's 21. He's young. We've got to be yeah, patient with him man. because to, you know Tobias and Joel and every like there's what five guys that were out because of health and safety protocols. He got to shine. And yep. let, let's be honest, the NBA season the way it's constructed, there's not much time for practice and you know time to really work together on that. And you know Joel comes back and you see the struggles. Tyrese, it's it's almost like Tyrese Maxey doesn't know how to perform next to another star. And, that, and that's why the bench is the key role for him. I would, you know, yeah, there, there's so many rumors on Ben Simmons trades. That's why you need a point guard. You know, whether it's yeah. a veteran, you know, average point guard, and you get another star back that's a three or a wing or whatever, or you get a Dame Lillard, CJ McCollum type, you know, De'Aaron Fox star guard where Tyrese Maxey can go to the bench. 
that that's really the best bet because let's be honest, some kids, you know, they get this kind of pressure put on them at a young age. It could it could be it could ruin their career. You know, they, yeah. they may never recover from the down parts of their career. So I, I don't want too much pressure put on Tyrese Maxey at this point. I completely agree with you. And, and his development has been great this year, but we have to remember, you know, not everyone is going to. I don't uh, know about you, but do you remember what you were doing at 21? Oh, you know, I, no I could not to know imagine that. <laughs> anchoring as a point guard of an NBA. I don't remember because, yeah, that's that's why I don't remember, you know. That was also a long time ago. I, I just love, you know what? I love his attitude too. He's yeah. such a family. Like he always talks about, you know, talking to his family and his family humbling him. Just love his mentality. But I think I agree. We, we need to just slow, slow it down a little bit. Uh, but let's move on to the ice now. As uh, t- it is, uh, we're, we're currently recording this on Tuesday. It is game day here in Philadelphia. Flyers back on the ice against the New Jersey Devils, a team they have struggled with. Um, as we all know, Alain Vigneault fired last week. Uh, Mike Yo put in a tough spot. You know, it was they fired him during a back to back, and then he he's got to face off against Colorado and all these other tough teams. New Jersey, I think, was in there as well. Yeah. Um, do you think that Mike Yo can possibly turn this ship around? Could he? Sure. Should he? No, because I actually think that the the Flyers are in a position where they're doing their 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 team a disservice if they try to continue to win this year. So yeah, obviously Yo was put in a bad situation. They lost seven five to Colorado. Then they got shut out. I think it was three nothing to the Devils. Then they came back and beat the the Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, which is a really really good strong team. And then they beat again the the, the Coyotes of Arizona there. So now they're on this magical two-game win streak after all those losses. Playoffs. I, I fear that Fletcher Cox – or Fletcher Cox. Uh, Chuck Fletcher – sorry. Yeah, Chuck Fletcher is going to see those two wins and be like, all right, if we tweak the roster, oh, we bring in God. another goal score, this or that, maybe we can make a run to the playoffs, whatnot. No, this team needs to rebuild. I don't want to call it a process-type Sixers, Sam Hinkie, total blow it up, but they need to move some of these guys and bring in some youth and some talent. I mean – Honestly, has it been since John LeClaire that we've had an elite goal scorer on this team? Because Claude Giroux, Drew, as great of a player and as great of a flyer as he is, has never been an elite goal scorer. And you need an elite goal scorer to win in the NHL. So it, 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 I kind of feel like Yo should stay the coach. They shouldn't start looking for a new coach. Let him be the interim GM or coach for the rest of the season. And just start flipping this roster a little bit. Get rid of some of these veterans. Bring in some young guys, some young talent. I won't say that I know the answers. I don't know the minor leagues of hockey really well, but but there's got to be prospects out there on teams that you could flip Giroux for, you could flip JVR for, whoever it may be. But I think that's the course of action for this team, not trying to make a run. Yeah. Now, now Phil, I, I completely agree with you. Like, there is that part of me that's like, oh, my God, like, they're on a two-game winning streak. Let, let's keep this going because of the fact that we have, like, dude, this whole decade with the Flyers, it is not what it used to be. Like, when I was growing up, and you remember this, too, like, the team was consistently a playoff, like, in the at least in Absolutely. the playoffs. We're not even that anymore. No. And, and, I, and I know for, like, the younger Flyers fans, like, they just want that. But I'm with you. Like I think this team needs a whole new look. It needs to. They need to blow this up. Get rid of some of these It starts at the top too. Chuck yes. Fletcher. You know. Yes. I, I, I hate to do it, but I, I started this last year. The Philadelphia sports in general, not just the Flyers, they hold their coaches, they hold their players to this high standard. But no one talks about the GMs as much. I know there's a lot of people that you know do the talk with Howie Roseman and you know fire Howie or whatever it may be. Clint the other GMs for him. Yeah. That, but honestly, was there as much of an uproar? 
about Clentac did at least the Clentac had a 500 team. You know, the Flyers, nobody talks about getting rid of Chuck Fletcher. He's made a lot of bad decisions on this team. You know, a lot of guys that have not panned out. So, you know, I I think Chuck Fletcher needs to be held to a higher standard and it might be time to move on from him as well. I I appreciate one thing about Chuck, like Chuck, and he did this in Minnesota too. He goes balls to the wall when it comes to certain moves, but you can't always do that. You know what I mean? And I, and I do like everyone kills Hextall. I did like the youth injectment injection into the team, but I think like even their development has been derailed. Like Pro V TK, like what the heck happened to these kids that were on the way up? And and like I and the worst part about it, Phil, is I look at our division, right? The Metro, by the way, a super tough freaking division. Absolutely. But then I look at New Jersey, I look at the Rangers, and those guys rebuilded, I feel like after us. And look, they're competitive again. Like yeah. the Rangers are are, are going to be a top team in the Metro come playoff time. The Devils are surprising everyone, and it's like we are still kind of in the same place where we're like not sure where we're at, and it's just and, so and disappointing. It, it is, and, and you know we talked about you know Jalen Hurts' development before Carter Hart's some and Tyrese Maxey. Carter Hart's, I'm worried about him yeah. because I think there's two positions in sports that you know if you get on if you if your mentality gets a little down in yourself that you can ruin your career. And that's a goalie in hockey, and that's a closer in baseball. They're the two things. Once once the dominoes start falling, you know, it, it potentially never gets rebounded. And and I worry Carter Hart's only twenty three years old, losing and losing and losing. And the dude's standing on his head there, and the defense is just so bad in front of him that this poor guy is giving up goals that he shouldn't give up, or goal goals to you know an extent where you never thought Carter Hart would be giving up five goals a game, seven goals a game. And it's not all his fault. And I worry about his development and it being stunted because of the rest of the team around him. Absolutely. These are all really good points here. All right. Um, let's talk about some lockouts, Phil. Um, MLB, <laughs> as we all know, are in a lockout. I wish we could talk some Phillies topics, but it's yeah. hard to when uh, we can't even see. We, we, when you look up the uh, when you look at the MLB.com, we don't even have player names or <laughs> faces on the website. Uh, that was kind of crazy that they took the faces off the website like that. I mean, that's really yeah, that, seriously. Yeah. You drive by Citizens Bank Park. They took down the MVP banner too quickly because of this lockout. Oh, what, what's your thoughts on this, man? Like oh, billion, billionaires fighting millionaires, man. That, that, that's what it really comes down to. Look, at, at first, I would have said that this lockout was definitely happening. And there's no doubt in my mind that it would be resolved by mid-January. Then the last meeting before the lockout lasted a grand total of seven minutes. Players sit down. Owner sit down, proposal is placed. Everybody gets up and walks right out. That scares me because I really think that the the topics that are on the table, the topics that, you know, they're locked out for and, you know, fighting over are, you know, you can negotiate them. I, I think there's room for both sides to give. But when both sides are so stubborn, that's seven minutes into the last day of negotiations that they walk out. That puts me in a spot where I fear for the start of spring training on time. I fear for spring training games and, and baseball and the players know that they can't afford to skip games or miss out on games. But when you're that stubborn that you're not going to negotiate more than seven minutes the last day of the, before the lockout, it gives me a lot of concern and a lot of pause that we might be in this for the long haul. We, this might go into March. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. This could get really ugly. But um, I, I talk about this with the NFL a lot, and I think the NFL needs to take a page out of the MLB's book. For a long time, I felt like baseball relied too much on their laurels. Look, you know, back people forget that there was a time where baseball was what the NFL is now. It was the main league. 
Um, and I feel like for way too much, they've been relying on their laurels where now, you know, you, you know me, Phil, like I, I watch the MLS a lot. Yeah. I study the MLS. I see what they're doing. It is very innovative stuff that they are doing. And if MLB is not careful, yes, the MLS can pass them despite what some people keep saying. And I listen, I love baseball. I want baseball back. There's nothing like a sitting in a ballpark middle of the summer, Absolutely. peanuts or popcorn, whatever in your hand and just watching some baseball. And we really, they really just need to come together to some sort of agreement and just think of the greater good of the sport for the yep. future, man. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they're, they're, they're fi- most most of the things that you know are up for negotiation right now. The DH, I'm against it, but I know it's the way of the future. You know, adding more playoff teams, it's more money. Just 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 figure it out. They can get that. It really is going to come down to the money aspect of it, though. Wait, so you, you as know, a Phillies fan, you're against the DH? I mean, I'm not against. So hold on, old school me is against <laughs> change, but I was against adding the wild card. I was against adding another wild card. But I, I learned to accept it, and I learned that it's good for the betterment of the game. It's bringing okay. more money. It's it, it, There's so many positives in the changes that they're doing. I'm an old-school mentality guy. Sure, I'm going to be against it, but you know, it will also extend a lot of players' careers. You know, you know, so there's there's just I'm I'm okay with those changes. It's going to come down to though the luxury tax issue, the revenue sharing issue, and the service time. And I think the service time rule. It's something where the owners could give just a little bit, just a little bit, and make such a big deal. Like they, the players would cave on every other topic if they just gave in on that, you know, service time, which I think is probably one of the four or five worst rules in all of sports. Where you know you got to sit in the minors for an extra four or five weeks, you know, to save a year of free agency. It's, it's an awful rule. But if the owners just caved just a little bit there, this, this would bit. get resolved really quickly. It's very, very, very good points there, man. Very good points. Um, all right. So, as we always do, Phil, we always like to end El Parcero Felicón with some little bit of rapid-fire questions. Five Dude. quick questions. I don't know about quick... rapid answers. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not very good at rapid answers. <laughs> it's all in fun. It's all in fun. Um, are you ready, Phil? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. So, question number one, Phil. The Philadelphia Eagles will make the playoffs, yes or no? Yes. They will make the playoffs. Okay. Yep. Okay. Do you think we close out though? Do you think we sweep the, the rest of the way? I actually do not. I think we win against Washington this week. We beat the Giants. I think we lose the second game against Washington. And then we beat Dallas to close out the season. I predicted nine and eight. And that just lands perfectly for me right there. Let's go. Uh, yeah, let's go. That, that's that got me excited there. All right. So this is very interesting. I'm curious what you think here. What era would you rather relive? The five years of Doug, some very exciting football, obviously won a Super Bowl. Or the Andy Reid era, was it 14 years? We had very consistent football, and there was a lot of success, but obviously no ring. Yep. So that, that's a trick question for me because I own a pizza shop. Playoff football equals money. So the Andy Reid era makes me more money. A lot of money. <laughs> but as an Eagles fan, I want that Super Bowl. So, you know, it, it, it depends. If you're talking to businessman me, it's Andy Reid and that are if you're talking to fan me, it's it's Doug Peterson, absolutely. Because I'll I'll take four years of losing. If that means year five, I get a Super Bowl. Okay. Okay. Uh on to that same point. Where will Doug Peterson coach next? Uh where should he coach next is Miami. I would love to see him in Miami. Jacksonville would be another great place for him. Um, those Florida teams, young quarterbacks, I think they'd be great. Um I think I think I think Urban Myers is a one and done, and I think he'll end up in Jacksonville. That's been ugly, man. Yeah, it's been real ugly. And I think that's a perfect spot with Trevor Lawrence for him. 
Um, they've got some weapons down there. I mean, look at Juice Robinson. I mean, I think he touched the ball five times on Sunday. You know, he should be a top five running back in the NFL, and he touched the ball five times. Do you think that college coaches can still translate to the NFL? No. I, I think that about all college sports, basketball as well. You know, I, I just, you know, they're used to, you know, especially guys that have been in college sports for a long period of time. They're used to coaching young kids not and young men, not grown adults making more money than the coaches. So sometimes that doesn't translate very well. And, it, you know, it, it, I you always go back to Brett Brown. He used to say, he used to talk about the program he was growing in Philly. The Sixers weren't a program. It's not a college team. They're grown <laughs> adults. And, and, and that's, that's why college coaches don't translate. They don't know the difference between kids and adults. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, all right. So uh, on to the next question. Your favorite owner of all time, obviously Philly sports. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be Jeffrey Lurie because he won that Super Bowl and all. Um, the Phillies, I mean, they've had so many different ownership groups, so I can't really you know classify them. Got to go Jeffrey Lurie. Took the, Philly, the Eagles in 93, 94 and – Bought them for $300 million and what are they worth? $4 billion now as a businessman myself. That guy is one smart ass businessman. Some good business over Ed Schneider though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. All right. Last but not least your favorite beer, sir. My favorite beer is the one I'm drinking right now. What we got, what we got. Well, So, I mean, not, not in general. I just mean whichever one's in my hand. So today (laughs) we are drinking goose Island uh, Christmas IPA. Oh, um, okay. Really good IPA. So today, my favorite beer is this. It, um, it, it sucks, man. They closed the Goose Island uh, brewery they had in, in Northern did Liberties. I didn't even fish hear down, that. Fish down. Yeah, yeah. I did not realize that. Um, I love, depends on the time of the year, I love my IPAs. I love Lagunitas. That is my favorite brand of beer. Um, absolutely. They got so many great things. Summertime, I'm a Corona guy. I love my Corona Premier. Light, refreshing. So summertime, Corona Premier. Wintertime, Lagunitas, that, that's the way to go. My man, my man. Uh, we could not end this episode without saying, uh, guys, ladies and gentlemen, today is actually Phil's birthday, Tuesday, December 14th. So, Phil, happy birthday, my man. I, I, I appreciate that. I, you know, can I just get a second here and just be like, yeah, you know, yeah. the people on Twitter and Facebook that are reaching out and all the comments, man. Man, I, I, it's it's great to know that people care and you know, love and appreciate me, you know, you know, it, you know. I got more messages on Twitter than I did from my own family. So yeah. <laughs> that's typically how it works, man. We it's crazy. That through Twitter, there's some tight knit communities, man. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, man. It's it's beautiful just meeting more and more new people, man. Especially yourself. Absolutely. Like I met a whole DSM media on there, man. It's absolutely. it's absolutely fantastic. Phil, what so what's the plan for the uh, for the birthday? Uh, we're, like I said, we're up here in the mountains in Mifflinburg, PA. As soon as we're done this show, we're gonna go outside. We're gonna light a fire by the river. We have a little fire pit. Watch the sunset. My wife's cooking me a really good dinner, some some short hey. ribs. You know, hey. we're have a nice night. We're gonna drink. We're gonna watch TV. Chill in the hot tub that this house has for a few hours. Dude, sick! You know, oh man, the hot I'm jealous. Right now. on the river as well. So yeah, man. that is awesome. You know, it's gonna be well, a nice, relaxing vacation and night here for my birthday. That's all I want. That, that's all you can really ask for. That's that's the best way to do it, man. Well, Phil, we'll let you uh, we'll let you get to that fire pit. Guys, make sure you guys do check out Phil. Phil is also part of DSM Media. You can always watch trending in the AM. Um, we're doing we're doing the golf show too, right? Yeah, I do a golf show. It starts in January. I think it's January sixth. Okay. Somewhere around there is the first tournament of the year. We'll start our golf show, Fairway to Heaven. Then it's Tuesday nights, nine p.m. I got my f- fantasy football show Thursday nights, nine p.m. You know, my regular Wednesday show, nine p.m. Dude, I, nice. I, I got I got so many shows going on. I can't keep them all straight right now. 
Let's do it, man. I love it. Absolutely. Uh, guys, make sure to check out Phil and DSM Media. Guys, seriously, thank you so much for tuning on. And big thanks again to Phil for episode 11. Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Parcero Filicón. Until next time, you guys enjoy your day. Talk to you guys soon.